0: it's friday friday gotta get down on friday
1: jesus christ (laughs) Uh, you know what so fuck you
0: you're welcome america my hand is a dolphin and everybody's Russian.
1: so i uh for those that don't know i'm in child care i work with children and i serve children uh cereal in the morning right there's this one child This child has just decided that words don't matter and they're just going to make up their own words for things. And this child really likes Cocoa Puffs, but doesn't want to say Cocoa Puffs because they just decided if you can understand what it is I'm saying, I don't need to say the actual words. So I have compiled uh, the top 10 list for things that this child calls Cocoa Puffs. Okay. You ready to hear this top ten list? I'm
0: I'm I'm ready. I think that's why we're all here.
1: Um so number one is Cocofurs.
0: Cocofurs. Yeah.
1: Cocoffs, okay. cocoa puffs, choco puffs, Choco puffs, puffers, puffer balls, chocolate balls, po' puffs, and number ten. Cookie Puffs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This child uh. will come in and say, May I please you have me, Coker Fuffs? Please. They'll add an extra please if they're being nice. They've decided that this is how they want to speak. And their parents <sighs> won't correct them on their grammar, so... That's how things are going.
2: Well, then. Gee, De- Dead Pallet had a pretty good, pretty good story. I just want to stress to everyone listening that David was like, I have the perfect way to open the episode. Well, it's true. It's Friday, and it's different.
0: I I figured referencing one of the worst things in existence would, you know, further cement this show as one of the worst things in existence. Anyway, welcome to Undercooked Analysis. How y'all doing?
1: May I please you have me some puffer balls?
2: Shut please? up. You know, so you have puffer fish, <laughs> fugu pufferfish.
0: Have uh, you know, that's not that's a good story and all, but what about it's? I, I'd say that's uh, better to deal with than that that kid who cried for what an hour.
1: Oh, he, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! That kid that cried for an hour and a half because he had to eat his favorite snack. <laughs> And yes, I said that sentence correctly.
0: He did say that sentence correctly. And we, this is while me and Kayla were in Ohio, this happened. And he comes back that day uh, from his job and says, so we had to deal with a kid who cried for an hour and a half because he got to eat his favorite snack. (laughs) How old is this kid? Eight-ish. That's even weirder.
1: Yeah. What are you going to do?
2: Would you agree that that age is too young to see the movie uh, Get Out?
0: (laughs) Do you want to tell us something about the movie Get Out, Alan?
2: Yeah, I went and saw the movie Get Out, and it was really good, but I was sitting next to a family who had an, I think, like nine or ten-year-old boy with them. And uh, there was a Red Band trailer for, for before the film um, for a movie called Girl Trip, uh, which seemed to be entirely about four black women who wanted to take a trip to have sex. Um, so I was just kept glancing over at this 10-year-old as our screen kept saying over like i need a dick in my mouth and in other parts of me in every hole dicks in every hole and i was just sitting there i was just sitting there like dude do i have to say something am i gonna have to be the guy oh my god
0: (laughs) i need an adult alan was the one who needed an adult for that when that commercial came on
1: I don't get. I don't get it, Alan. So you're saying it's not okay for them to put a dick in every hole?
2: Um, it's totally fine if you want a dick in every hole. Um. um how, how many
1: holes? How many? How many dicks can you accommodate, Alan? I'm trying to think.
2: How many? Me personally? Yes. Well, let's see.
1: Um, let's say that they're all a standard size.
2: All how standard you... size. Four.
1: Four. Okay. Too
2: many dicks on the dance floor.
1: It's not very accommodating, Alan.
2: I'm sorry. You
1: gotta get your armpits involved.
2: Uh, I have a sweat gland thing.
1: So you that know, means you might need to take a shower.
0: I had a... shower once. <laughs> I... I know a shower once. And Those
1: Californians are out, of, are out of water, so showers are a luxury. Well, luckily, we, we've had luxury. a shit
0: ton of rain recently, so of course, now I can actually take showers semi regularly again. It's wonderful. <laughs> so we're on uh, today, on this impromptu uh, second part, uh, we're going to read part two of The Showers by a person we still won't name until the end, as usual, is us three your host, and I won't bother introducing us, any of us anymore, because you know us, and we love you, the, and you love us. A host
1: of Undercooked Analysis, uh, Coca-fers, uh, Puffers, and Cookie Puffs.
2: Can I be Puffers?
1: Y- yeah, sure. Okay. I want to be Cokefers.
2: <laughs> Can I be Cookie Puffs? Sure. Yeah. Well, that was the third one, <laughs> the one that's left.
1: <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm awake now, semi-sober, and ready to finish this story, this for you guys, the internet, and whomever, whoever cares to hear it.
0: Semi-sober is not as good a, uh, a, a reviewer as Sober Dwarf, though.
1: No. Semi-sober-dwarf.
0: <laughs> Shout out semi-sober, to my Semi Sober Dwarf! No, sorry.
1: Semi-sober, uh, semi-dwarf. They're 70. just mildly bust, and they're, and they're a little shorter than average.
0: <laughs> you know, um, Matt Hawley, has uh, his, his internet moniker is Giant Midget. Okay. So you make of that what you will.
2: I didn't find out that Mr. Mays had passed away until a couple months after the funeral service. Initially, I was going to seek out his family in order to send my condolences, but it wasn't as if Mr. Mays and I were best friends or anything like that. So, I refrained. I continued through my college career and graduated a year or so after our bar meeting.
0: Uh, Graduating with English as my major wasn't a mistake. But it wasn't exactly something that landed me any sort of immediate jobs after college. Oh man, this story gets me. Now... I had saved a pretty solid amount of money while I was in school and decided to deserve a bit of a vacation. Oh man, this story does not get most college students, if you will. <laughs> I took my spare cash, got together with my college buddy Steve, packed up and hit the road, aiming for somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. I had lived near Littleton, Colorado when I was younger and remembered loving the area, so this destination was as good as any.
1: We, uh, saved up for a little vacation, and we all, we all went out on a trip... And our goal was to get a dick in every hole. (laughs) The trip was a success. We made it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great story. (laughs) Ten out of ten.
2: Ten out of ten holes. (laughs) Uh,
0: You get a dick. And you get a dick. And you get a dick. Everyone gets a dick. (laughs)
1: <laughs> our of success were somewhere around Estes Park, Colorado and found a cheap cabin that we rented for about a month. Uh, the days were fi- uh, filled with lounging, hiking, and generally things that involved little to no work on our parts. We just laid there and took it. After our rental was through, we packed up again and headed uh, on our way back east.
0: Cool story, bro. <laughs> boy oh boy there's a reason every single episode of undercooked analysis is marked explicit
2: (laughs) maybe I wasn't mature enough for that (laughs) trailer
0: Alan you were like I said you were the one who needed an adult
2: yeah Uh, all you buddy oh it's me Is it? no this is you. you Alan oh Yeah, I was talking to myself. Um, (laughs) Sometime during this trip, we had met up with a couple Estes Park natives in one of the local bars. We never typically hung out with them or anything like that. We just had conversations now and then over drinks and food. What the fuck do you consider hanging out then? (laughs) One the
0: in every hole?
2: One night... These guys were paying their tab and packing up to leave awfully early. They are usually there until the wee hours of the morning. When we questioned them about it, they told us they were headed to a little get-together with some friends of theirs, and they invited us. Having nothing else to do, we hopped in the car and followed them to the party.
0: Party! The party itself was very low-key and ultimately inconsequential to this story. (laughs) I don't know why that amuses me. However, the important thing about it was that, at some point in the night, we were all sitting around the fire and swapping ghost stories. At this point in my life, I wasn't as much of a ham as I was in my younger years. But, with a little bit of encouragement, I started on a couple of stories that I remembered telling from my youth. Eventually, I made it to Mr. May's story about the showers. Every time that I had told it, after hearing it from Mr. May's, I had spiced it up a little bit. But, out of some sort of subconscious respect for my former teacher, I went straight into the version of the story he told in my class in sophomore year of high school.
1: Hmm.
0: So, okay. This, this,
1: when is this written, that our narrator keeps saying ham? That's, that's a really weird, strange phrase to use. They're really fixated on being, yeah, being a ham. Um,
0: well,
2: he's maybe he was going, him. maybe he was going ham.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe this was, uh, maybe he was, our narrator is, like, a story within a story within a story, and was written by Harper Lee, and it's basically Scout, I was to be the <laughs> ham. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was days. a really long trail for a really dumb narrative joke, and I apologize for that one. English majors no, know. English majors know.
1: No, I think everyone who graduated high school knows. <laughs> um... The group enjoyed my stories for the most part. The showers being a uh, the mutual favorite among partygoers. Steve and I left the cabin at around five in the morning. Wait a second. How many parties have you gone to where there's people drinking and having a good time and telling horror stories?
0: I want to go to these parties. I
1: yeah, would... me too. But... We need
0: to throw
2: these parties.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: y- you know, you guys come out to California. We'll have one of those parties.
1: Yeah, we can, we'll we can be
2: dread. And
1: we can uh, fill every hole. We went out Callaway to fill every hole. I told him all about uh, Mr. May's, uh, May's The Class, my love for everything horror-related and whatnot, and he suggested that we try to find the place on our return trip to New York. Initially, I was reluctant simply because I didn't feel like aimlessly wandering through Nebraska for days. Looking for some old farm building that was probably demolished at by this at this point. But a couple of days before we left Colorado, I told Steve that it sounded like fun. Uh, we weren't going to be able to make do another trip like this for a long time, so I figured that we might as well make the best of it. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought as if I thought of it as a little <clears throat> burp. I thought of it as a little tribute to Mr. Mays. A guy that, in retrospect, helped me realize I wanted to be a writer.
0: That's a good tribute to Mr. Mays.
1: But not enough of a writer to correct my grammar errors and edit properly. No. Yeah. So that kind of uh, breaks our uh, rule of not being able to edit things. So, like, if this was just an amateur guy telling the story, make all the spelling mistakes you want because you're just an amateur guy telling a story. But this person doesn't have an excuse. Sister, this person's an English
2: major. But yeah. and I wanted to point this out because I thought it was a cool touch. Uh, at the end of part one, uh, he says, "I'll finish this story when I'm sober." He says he's semi-sober. He is kind of. I, I do kind of like the hint that like he's becoming an alcoholic, just like Mr. Maze was. Like we don't oh. know what he saw in this. We don't know what he said on this. He saw on this trip yet, but. Like, maybe he's having the same reaction to it that maybe Mr. May's had.
1: Well, every English writer that I've known besides David is an alcoholic.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I mean, I think... Yeah, it's still that. My, uh, my little in-this-Skype call, if you look beside my name, it says, drinker with a writing problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. This is a fact. Look it up.
2: Anyway... Uh, I can identify with him because I was in Nebraska for a weekend and it's a terrible state. Don't go there. Um, <laughs> okay. I made a bunch of friends I made a bunch of friends at a bar there because because of a place where I used to work. I know their college fight song. Oh, nice. Anyway, we left Colorado and made the long, boring, and barren drive to Broken Bow, Nebraska. Or, hell on earth, as Mr. Mays put it.
0: See, the author is still one step ahead of you, Alan.
2: Yeah. We found a motel in town and hung around for a couple of days, venturing out a hundred miles or so in any given direction each day after that. I had remembered Mr. Mays telling us that it was somewhere outside of Broken Bow, but I don't think he got any more specific than that.
0: We tried asking the townsfolk if they had any information about the showers, We were usually met with blank stares or eye-rolling when we told them what exactly this place was. The only person who seemed to know anything about it was an older lady that worked at a gas station on the outskirts of town. I don't recall her name, but this woman was just one of those cheerful old people, very helpful and generally interested in what anyone had to say to her. Steve had started talking uh, to her at checkout, and she asked about our license plate, commenting on the fact that we were far from home. We had nowhere in particular to be... So Steve and I ended up talking to this woman for about 15 minutes, at which point we brought up our hunt for the place known as The Showers. Tick-tock. Tick-tock.
2: Tick-tock! Is... Are you... Brandon? Brandon?
1: Oh... I have my mic muted. Oh, that explains some shit. <laughs> it's better than not moving my mic when I move my chair. Fair, Alan.
2: Go to hell. <laughs> I, had to, I had to switch back to my old chair, and this chair is terrible. It falls back all the time. Uh, it lowers itself all the time. I just need a new chair.
1: Yeah, too bad that Skype doesn't have a mute your mic feature. Uh, initially the name didn't ring any bells with the woman which made sense seeing as mr mays had just given it the name after his experience there but when i began to describe the details that i remembered from his story the friendly old woman interrupted me her tone was not scornful or mean in any way but she became very tense and deliberate with her words from that point on
2: People don't deal with anything relating to that sort of business round here anymore, she told us. My goodness, a gentleman caller.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was all a long time ago. Following her statements, she attempted to be cheerful again, excusing herself to the restroom and wishing us the best on our return trip to New York.
0: Steve and I returned to the car without a word. Both of us were thinking about what the lady had said. Again, she didn't seem to be angry at all. She just didn't want to hear another word about it. We were driving back to the hotel before Steve said something. I mean, if I had to live in a place associated with an urban legend or something like that, I would totally mess with anyone who asked about it, he said. I mean, eventually you'd get just get tired of people asking about it, and so you'd just say it to try to scare them with and get them to shut up, wouldn't you?
1: I agreed with Steve and kept driving, but the whole experience wasn't sitting right with me. What if some? Uh, what if if this was some sort of well-known legend in the area? Why did no one else in the town seem to know anything about it? But I managed to shrug it off, mind you. Neither of us was scared of finding the showers. This little excursion on our road trip was more uh, like a scavenger hunt. To cap off. An overall relaxing vacation. Uh, Steve and I were basically tourists hunting for the site at which a famous movie was filmed or something like that. We went into the whole situation with little to no expectations and a fleeting hope that we would be able to find this place. All right.
2: Are we taking bets on Steve? (laughs)
0: Um, well, his name is Steve, for one, and people named Steve tend to get off in these kind of stories. No offense <clears place> to <throat> any Steves out there. I mean, no, no, Stranger Things, no. Steve turned out to be a good guy.
1: Hey, my name's Steve-O, oh, and welcome to the showers. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> we spent... Another day in Broken Bow, before we took our next trip out to try to find the showers. Nebraska isn't as terrible a place as people make it out to be, but it <laughs> really isn't all that exciting.
1: Yeah, that's undercutting you, Alan.
2: Yeah, fuck this guy. Zero out of ten, worst pasta. <laughs> <laughs> We found a bar and spent some time there and that was just about the extent of our activity on our day off.
0: When we did get back to the road, we decided that we would attempt to stay off of main roads as much as the day as we could. I knew that there was no way that this place was going to be off of the highway and I remembered some detail about a dirt road in Mr. May's story, so we went looking for those. This was a fairly futile effort, most of Nebraska's dirt roads. Nebraska has no infrastructure whatsoever.
1: <laughs> uh, it was seven in the evening when we came upon a small but uh, thick forest. I use the term lightly, but for Nebraska, this place was like an oasis. The trees were full and thick, shrouded, shrouding most of the insides in darkness. The sun was setting, and even though we had run into a few of those random uh, crops of trees... We agree that this one showed more promise than any of the others. There wasn't really a road, but there looked to be a path where dirt, uh, a dirt road might have been at some point. So we uh, drove along that. If the car uh, was able to handle the Rocky Mountains, a dirt path—a dirt path pert a, 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 uh, <laughs> a dirt path in Nebraska would give us no trouble. You know, it might, right. have been, it might have been a dirt road at some point, but now it was covered in gummy bears.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. I, I feel I have to say something. Is this too much set up for a place we know he's going to find?
0: A maybe. little? Maybe?
1: When you said, I have to say this, I thought you were going to announce that in between in between the time of recording this episode and the last one, you have found the truth and discovered that iCarly is the greatest show ever made.
2: (laughs) Uh, But I guess I'm 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 going to have to give
1: you more time on that.
2: Yeah, you're going to have to give us both more time. Still a Golden Girls guy. Um,
0: Do you guys remember that other Nickelodeon show that was like that involved uh, Britney Spears' younger sister? No. Because that was a thing for a while, too.
2: Yeah, and then they had to stop doing it because she got pregnant at like 16 or 17 yeah, or something like that.
0: exactly. I don't remember what that was called. I don't, anyway, I just, for some reason you mentioned iCarly, and for some reason my mind immediately went to that terrible. Because I remember they all went to a school where you could see the ocean from it, and I was like, man, fuck those guys. I want to go to that school. <laughs> Not with any of these people, but the view is worth it.
1: Anyway.
2: anyway, Zoe one hundred one. Zoe one hundred one was the name of that show.
0: Zoe one hundred one. <clears throat> okay, thank you. That clears it up. Uh, so was
2: we've, we've cracked the case. <laughs> it's it's your turn, uh, Alan. I know. We move slowly and carefully along this trail, making sure to clear any fallen trees in the road or rocks that would render the car useless. When the sun finished setting, oh. Yep.
0: When the sun finished setting,
2: period. That would rent, that would render the car useless when the sun finished setting. It was pretty dark in this place during the day, but when night came, it was something else entirely. I had an inkling at this point that we had found the right place, but I didn't want to jinx it. So we continued onward. So I didn't realize it. He
1: didn't want to jinx it.
2: I didn't realize it at the time, but the little bits of light that managed to penetrate the canopy in this miniature forest actually did make it look as if the tree branches were trying to grab the car, just like Mr. Maze had mentioned in the story. I'm still convinced that he made up the part about the animal eyes, though. The most aggressive creature we saw in the woods was a dead rabbit on the side of the trail. It didn't have any obvious signs of death, it just looked like it had simply... Lay down and never bothered to get up.
0: Ooh. Hmm. I like that. Chelsea has apparently left a calling card in this story.
1: I like dead rabbits, too.
0: I know you do. But do you have one tattooed on you? No, I do not. My point. Exactly. We drove around in the darkness for quite a while before we found a clearing. We had to move
2: several... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. you said my point and I thought of bullet ball (sighs) Uh,
0: we drove around in the darkness for quite a while before we found a clearing we had to move several small clusters of branches around our, no we had to move several small clusters of branches out of the way before, but right in front of our exit was a giant dead monster of a tree There was no way we were moving this one, so we got out and turned on the bright headlights in the hopes that it would illuminate the area in front of us. There was a feeling of excitement mixed strangely with fear when I saw what lay 50 feet beyond the clearing.
1: Ah, there, lit partially by the headlights from the car, and a little bit of light from the crescent moon was what appeared to be an old barn house. This wasn't a typical farmhouse. It was larger than the barns uh, that that I had seen in films and didn't have any sort of crest. It basically looked like a small warehouse. I wasn't entirely sure at this point if if this was the place we were looking for, but this definitely was the closest we had come.
0: My God, that is the biggest facility for housing chickens I've ever seen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I normally, have... n- normally places that you hold chickens are small as small as chicken coops even
2: <laughs> this chicken fortress is enormous <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's clucking ridiculous
0: god damn it don't be chicken, <laughs> go inside
1: uh
2: I moved through the brush until I was roughly 20 feet from the entrance, at which point all of the growth seemed to stop. I don't know if the owners had done something to the soil, but the whole structure had a border around it that was clear of any sort of plant life. I approached the entrance to the building, a large sliding door, as Steve came up behind me with two flesh... Mmm.
1: You have flash- a Freudian slip there, bud?
2: Flashlights? In hand. Shut up. (laughs) Remember,
0: you don't need batteries for one of those things Alan just mentioned. Although you could
1: just... You have to have something cylindrical in shape to put in it, though. (laughs) Uh, So
0: so you were just going to run off into that place in the dark? He laughed. Apparently, yes.
1: I gave a half-hearted chuckle and grabbed one of the lights from his hand. Mine was a little but pretty bright flashlight. Uh, it was... God damn it. It was the kind that hikers would most likely fasten to their backpacks, just in case they were stranded at night. It worked well enough. I grabbed the metal door with both hands, holding the flashlight in my mouth, and gave it a tug. <laughs> you guys... Uh, carry on. It moves slightly... <laughs> And a little bit. But there was no way I was going to do this by myself.
2: <laughs>
1: Steve came up from behind, set his flashlight on the ground, grabbed the door, and said, One, two, three. <laughs>
0: I'll be r- right back. Why don't you guys carry on with these jokes while I'm in? Sure. One moment. David,
2: need, David needs a moment. I need a moment. Uh,
1: David realized that he needs to go visit his flashlight and give it a good tug. See,
2: give you it say the no old batter- one, two, three. What if you need a battery or two up your butt?
1: Mm. Uh... I'm assuming you're not just putting the battery straight in there.
2: Well, I mean, no. Only I mean, a weirdo would do that. <laughs> no,
1: sure, yeah. You, you, you ever put an ice cube up your ass <laughs> and then let it melt and then have cold diarrhea? All
0: right, what yeah, is?
1: Uh, <laughs> <a> cold diarrhea. <laughs> Well, my timing was good. <laughs> shit, shit,
0: slurry. Oh, boy. Butt slushy. <laughs> <laughs> butt slushy. <laughs>
1: hey, David. <laughs> you, you ever give yourself a butt slushy?
2: <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna barf. <laughs>
1: What you do is you get an ice cube, and you shoved out right up your butt. The inside of the
0: structure was exceptionally <laughs> bare, almost
1: and
2: cold.
0: So, I wasn't entirely sure how far we were from the nearest home or small town. I
2: think you just skipped a paragraph, didn't you?
0: No, because you clearly you read the the last one while while I was away, right? No. Did you spend your t- whole time You're talking told- about
2: stupid bullshit? You told us to keep making... You specifically said keep making jokes while I I go do something.
0: Well, I assumed you were gonna... I don't know. I wasn't being too serious.
2: I thought you were
0: waiting for us. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, You
1: said we were making bullshit, which is not true. We were talking about making human shit. That is not the temperature that it typically is.
2: We pulled at the door with all that we could muster. Once we had managed to move it a couple of inches, it must have latched back onto its track because it slid very easily, stopping hard with a loud and echoing thud when it was completely open. Steve picked up his flashlight and walked behind me. I had already moved inside. Thank you.
0: No problem. The inside of the structure was exceptionally bare, almost troublingly so. I wasn't entirely sure how far we were from the nearest home or small town, but there wasn't even the slightest bit of evidence that anyone had been here in this building for years. There were no broken beer bottles or empty bags of chips. There wasn't even any animal droppings or eager plants that managed to grow here. The room was expansive, uh, larger than your average farm, but not the warehouse-sized monstrosity that I believe Mr. Mays had described in his story. I was sure that it was simply a holding area for farming equipment or something similar at some point.
1: Disappointed, I wandered near the entrance while Steve ventured into the expanse of of darkness. As I was running over the details in my mind in the story, something uh, struck me like a sack of bricks. In Mr. Maze's story, there was a silo near the barn. I ran outside, my eyes adjusted easily because at the very least it was brighter outside. I looked in all directions, running around the perimeter of the building. Surely, if there was ever a silo in this place, there would be some evidence of it. But, despite my hopes, there was nothing but a cluster of thick bushes on one side, brush and dirt everywhere, and the forest that we had come from.
0: Hmm. Well, we were in the wrong place, so we went home.
1: <laughs> yeah. Freshness rating.
0: Um, I'm going to give I... this a... um. I'm going to get this um, out of... Eh.
2: Well, I have good news for you. There's a whole fucking lot of story left. Oh, sweet. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I walked back into the building. Frustrated and tired. Steve was still excited, eagerly running around the inside of the building. Even if I could just find a showerhead or a pipe, he said... Then we'd know it was true. Just keep looking with me. I'm going to (laughs) die. I didn't want to ruin his excitement. I had told Steve the story several times, but obviously he didn't realize that this just wasn't the place.
0: The building was
2: weird. (laughs) We were in a (laughs) Walmart.
0: It wasn't exactly a warehouse store, but it was
2: close.
1: The greeter inside the Walmart is just like, welcome. Why do you have flashlights?
2: (laughs) Who's Why do you your, have
1: flashlights?
2: Who's your
0: special friend? It's okay. We're doing this like Mr. Maze did, so we, you know, dropped some ecstasy before we came in here.
2: The building was weird, yes. It was out of place and oddly pristine, but it wasn't the location of the showers. I let him explore for a little bit before I called him over. This was
0: probably as close as we are going to get, ma'am, I said. But this isn't. Remember the silo? His face went from excitement to disappointment in an instant, much like a young child who didn't get the presents he wanted on his birthday. I'm the birthday boy, it said on his sweater. I patted him on the shoulder. This is still pretty cool, though. I mean, we could still tell people we found it. I was reverting back to my old habits quickly.
1: We could always lie.
2: It's true. Yeah, lying is always an option.
1: It's never not an option Um Oh man I was going to say something about this Shit, Shit. Uh, Steve laughed Yeah man I guess we could bro It's definitely creepy enough though We should get some pictures As proof you know And I agreed with him I'm going to go grab my camera real quick yo He said as he bolted out The entrance of the building I was left in the building left alone in there one might even say
2: oh no one might uh i like the idea of making steve a douche sure (laughs) just just but he'll go through redemption uh,
0: arc right like at the end of the series
2: yeah cool right right (laughs) and then he will father john ralphio
0: (laughs) 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 Ah, that canon
2: Uh, It was very quiet when I was alone in there. I could hear the faint sound of Steve running through the brush into the car, but once he was far enough away, everything was quiet. I remember not even hearing wind or the chirping of crickets as I walked deeper into the dark, flashlight in hand. I was convinced there had to be something. As I approached the far corner of the room, the sound of my feet scratching against the dirt was interrupted by a soft, hollow thud. I stopped, trying to figure out what it was. I put my foot down hard against the ground and heard it again. I stopped one more time, realizing that the floor that I was standing on was covering something hollow.
0: I walked to the wall of the room, looking carefully at the floor to try and spot any holes or gaps. As far as I had known, it was solid ground that this thing sat atop, so I was convinced that I had found a hatch or a basement or something... I heard Steve coming back through the brush as I shouted, "Steve, come over here! It's hollow." As I went to say the word "hollow," I h- hopped a little bit, hoping to recreate the sound so that I, he would be able to hear it upon entering the, fl- the door. The second my feet made contact with the floor, I felt it give way, give out beneath me. <sighs> oh man, that is such a cartoon moment. That is such a Goonies moment right there. Yeah. Ah, oh, there's nothing Steve. here. It's just a skeleton. Ah!
1: Steve, get over here. Hop on the floor. Ah, and then you fall <laughs> down, and then it's just like, every, everybody do the dinosaur?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi out there. It's me, Steve. H- have you seen. Oh, God. What is there? Have you seen Jack, my friend? Uh,
1: the memory of the fall was fuzzy, but I do recall hearing wood splinter. I remember seeing the light from Steve's flash, uh, flashlight. Uh, falling away into complete darkness it wasn't a long fall but but I must have fallen in a terrible position because I know that I lost consciousness for several seconds at least
2: ouch when I woke up sorry well I know I was going to be I was going to be the man who was waking up for you (laughs) you were going to say something (laughs)
0: was but um i was just realizing like now now i gotta wonder is our care is our character uh like fiction unconscious or actually unconscious because that's a that's a mid to serious concussion right there
2: yeah losing consciousness is a way bigger deal than fiction portrays it as being
0: (laughs) yeah like
2: a lot a lot um Though, I mean, if we're tracking the original story, this is likely the cellar door.
0: Cellar door. Let those words wash over you.
2: Cellar door. When I woke up, I was staring at a bright light. For an instant, I had thoughts about approaching the fabled light at the end of the tunnel. I was angry at myself. You died in Nebraska, Jack? Wow, you do know how to fuck up. I'm glad we're back on talking shit on Nebraska. Um, (laughs) My self deprecation in the afterlife was interrupted by what sounded like Steve's voice. Okay, that was funny. That was funny.
0: (laughs) Jesus, Jack. Jack, can you hear me? Dude, wake up. Please wake up. He screamed with no exclamation points in the sentence, though. Oh, there's one at the beginning.
1: Yeah. But that's not in the sentence, that's in the paragraph paragraph thank you uh, i managed to lift my head up off the floor just far enough to for him to celebrate the pain in my head was immense it was outweighed by the pain shooting through my knee i knew i had a concussion because i'm a medical doctor uh, but the pain in my knee was just so much more pressing i looked around until i found my tiny flashlight for special reasons and then sat up and reassured Steve. I'm okay. I just hurt my knee and bumped my head really hard and cracked my fleshlight. I don't think it's going to work anymore.
2: Thank fuck, man. I thought you were dead. Imagine that, though, dying in fucking Nebraska. It'd be <laughs> awful. Man, fuck this place. Alan's right. Um.
0: <laughs> um. Any listeners from Nebraska, please uh, contact Alex specifically. There is someplace like
2: Nebraska. Good old Nebraska, you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Nebraska. We don't care for Jews. I've just decided that Nebraska is entirely anti-Semitic
0: now.
2: I thought that was Indiana. Okay, here's my experience of Nebraska. I went there to see one of my favorite bands. It was a Pat f- house for one of my favorite bands of all time. And no one was moving. No? Like, the band was doing a great job. And any other time I've seen the band, there's there's people, like, headbanging and nodding their heads. But it was surreal.
1: <laughs> okay, that's I can explain this to you, Alan. It's because you're used to seeing Kansas and Kansas, but when Kansas performs in Nebraska, people don't like them as much. <laughs> God damn it.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, boy. His words made me laugh a little bit, but I stopped myself. The slightest shaking hurt my head and made me incredibly dizzy. I guess a rope, said Steve. What?
0: I asked quietly.
2: Unaware, I had made the sin of suggesting that this salsa was from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: should I go get a rope to get you out of here? Or do you see a ladder? I looked around and around the wall. I looked around the walls and that sat in front of me. They were smooth cement. There was no way I was climbing out of here. Yeah, get the rope. I told him. It's buried under all of our stuff. I think it might be in my red climbing bag, but I'm not sure. Steve nodded, telling me to hang myself in there, and that he would be back in a little bit. And then he ran off.
0: Look, Steve, I've got rope. I've got some quality rope made for a man who's devoid of hope like you.
1: It's like, man, I'm trapped down here. There's no way to get out. Hey, could you go get me that rope? That way I can kill myself. (laughs)
2: there is no place like nebraska good old nebraska the silence that followed was uncomfortable (laughs) after the sound of steve's feet scraping the floor above me faded away i was only able to hear that buzzing that occurs in total silence intertwined with the pulsing in my head i pushed myself over to the nearest cement wall and braced myself against it resting and breathing deep in an attempt to calm myself Mm. Hey, Mr. Illiterate, how's it going?
0: It's good, Alan. It's good to be back.
2: That's good. That's good. Uh, massage? Oh yes.
0: Wait for I you. I will or take for me? a message uh, <laughs> because I saw the signal and I arrived in the nick of time. Now, but the question is: Do, do you? Are you saying you you want a massage, or do you, are you asking? Yeah, that yes, that please. A massage? I'm, I'm oh, pretty yes, sure so. that's part
2: of your canon now.
0: Yes. All right. Well, let me let me just. Let, okay. Do you feel that in your shoulders? You have a lot of tension. Here. Mm. Let me oh, do that. Oh, that is nice. Okay, it is nice. Now carry on while I handle this. Thank tension. you, thank you. Thank oh, you. you're welcome.
1: No, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Illiterate doesn't give massages; he gives messages. <laughs>
0: Don't Mesting tell me what breathing. I can and can't do, Red Pallet. Cut.
1: <laughs> I think you're an imposter. I'm the real Mr. Illiterate.
0: Mr. Illiterate is a mantle that is worn by those who need to carry the message forward oh wait i do give messages you mean <laughs> carry the
2: massage forward
0: <laughs> it turns out it was uh, mr mr literate who is the rival the uh, the wario
2: resting and breathing deep in an attempt to calm myself the cement was unnaturally cold against my back It was summer, so I only had a t-shirt on, but it felt like ice even through that.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. My hands are cold. Let me fix that.
2: Again, this observation was primarily made after the fact... Oh, that is very nice. Thank you. In the moment, it just felt good to lean against something.
0: Lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be a cement wall. She... (laughs)
1: She was a cheap prostitute, and she probably had syphilis. But in the moment, it just felt good to lean against something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I sat there, waiting for Steve in this underground basement, and I began to feel uneasy. I felt like an idiot for falling down here. I felt pain from my injuries as well. That all seemed to fade into one emotion in an instant when I heard what I could only identify as breathing, somewhere to my left. I convinced myself that it was my injured mind playing tricks on me for a few moments until my mind decided to rapidly replay Mr. May's story. When I had first heard it in the classroom years before, I was more impressed than I was scared. But, but now, sitting in a dark basement in the middle of Nebraska, I felt something that I hadn't felt in a long time. It couldn't even be summed up as the word fear. As I sat there, I felt all-encompassing dread. I removed a block from the Jenga tower, And put it on top. It didn't fall. I could live another day.
1: Uh, I pointed my flashlight to my left, the direction from which I thought I heard the sound. The light didn't reach the other wall. It was too far away. But I was comforted to see absolutely nothing there. I breathed deeply for a couple more seconds before I heard another noise in the darkness. It was very quick. And I cannot be sure it wasn't my own body moving around without uh, my noticing, but I thought I heard a scraping sound not ten feet in front of me. It sounded like the noise your feet make when you are walking across a dirt-covered floor. But I could, uh, but I could react. I heard before I could react. I've mister Illiterate. Before I could react, I heard the breathing to my left again. Don't worry. Closer this time.
0: I've got your back too, <clears throat> right.
1: There is no way this is real. I hadn't seen so much as a spider web in this building, and now I was convincing myself that something was next to me breathing.
0: Is it, Question mark? Breathing. Are we are we spooked are we spooked yet? Are we getting kind um, of
2: spooked? Cause... I'm getting kind of to the point where, like, okay, something better fucking happen now. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, 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 I feel justified in my initial uh, judgment of saying it feels like it's taking a while for something to happen when we know he finds the place.
0: Yeah. yeah. Most definitely.
2: I was angry at myself for getting so worked up. I told myself that the human brain is constantly hallucinating. (laughs) I told myself that while in silence or darkness, the brain will make sounds to fill the gap, or make you think you see things that aren't there. I channeled my inner skeptic in order to calm myself. It worked. It worked until I saw a flash of something in front of me. I can't be entirely sure what it was, But I heard the accompanying sounds of feet scraping against the floor, and I began to swell with dread. I decided that the best course of action at this point was to turn off my flashlight. Assuming that if they couldn't see me, they couldn't get to me. Whatever they might be. I don't know if
0: it's necessarily the best tactic, but... I turned off my flashlight and was left in complete and total darkness. The bulb of the flashlight faded as it cooled. Yes,
2: clearly I have the tactical advantage now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If I can't see them, they can't see me. The bulb of the flashlight faded as it cooled and I put it into my pocket, simultaneously pushing back against the cold cement wall in an attempt to stand. I managed to get on my feet, well, foot, and found that I couldn't stand to put any pressure on my injured knee. I limped to the corner humming to myself, trying to break the deafening silence. I called for Steve, as loud as I could manage, but heard no response. He was probably in the back of the car, still hunting for the rope. There had to be a ladder or something
1: somewhere. I continued to hum, and my my heartbeat, which had been beating almost out of my chest, slowed to a manageable rate. I moved along the cement wall, keeping my whole body against it, and the weight off my injured knee. I had traveled what I guessed might have been ten feet when my head made fr- uh, to be about ten feet when my head made contact with something in front of me. I tumbled to the ground. My concussion must have been must have amplified the pain because it was blinding. I reached both hands to my forehead and felt something warm and wet in my fingers. With my fingers, I searched for a cut anywhere on my forehead, but I couldn't find one. I desperately searched for my flashlight as I sat up and tried to get back against the wall.
2: Okay, picking up a little bit. Yeah. I grabbed the light in my right hand, bracing against the wall with the other. I turned it on and pointed it into the darkness where I was just lying. The floor was wet, but the dirt had muddled the color of whatever the liquid was. I tried to get my eyes to focus on the puddle, tried to convince myself that it was my blood when I saw another drop fall into the puddle.
0: Words lacked the ability to describe the way I felt when I heard the drip noise again, and saw yet another tiny ball of liquid fall into the puddle. I think I knew, even then, exactly what the source was, but I was endlessly trying to convince myself that I was wrong. I lifted the flashlight up and pointed it at the source of the liquid. What stared back at me was a pipe that protruded at least a foot out from the cement wall. The metal was rusted and cracked. Little bits of the liquid began to seep from them. At the end of the pipe was a simple shower head aimed down towards the ground. Shower heads usually don't fill people with dread, so, uh,. That, that's one thing this story is actually accomplishing. I may never look at a showerhead the same way again.
1: You know that feeling when your stomach drops? In this case, mine literally did, because I immediately vomited. It got all over my shoes, but that wasn't the least uh, bit important at the time. I ignored the pain in my knee and shuffled along the wall as fast as I possibly could. I heard noises, but I can't be sure if it was just the sound of my own movement or something around me. I managed to duck under the next showerhead. This one was higher up on the wall. It seemed to be leaking the same liquid that the other one was. Uh, I felt like I was moving along something infinite. Every now and then, I would have to duck or move under another metal bar, another showerhead. I began to pour. Uh, they began to pour more profusely, but the liquid was too thick to come out easily.
0: So this isn't he keeps describing it as 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 liquid, so but it it's not water as far right. as I know.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. The room began to smell. I remembered immediately the way that Mr Mays had described it. I grabbed my shirt and put it over my nose, trucking onward but it didn't stop the smell for an instant. It smelled like vomit. You just vomited. Um, (laughs) It smelled like shit. It smelled like burnt hair. It smelled like rot.
0: It smelled like every bad smell ever. I was still moving against the wall when I fell into some sort of outlet. I hit the dirt ground hard, adrenaline coursing through my veins. The pain still managed to break through, though. My flashlight was still in my hand. I aimed it and examined my surroundings. Sitting in front of me was a doorway. There was a door there, though it looked aged now. It was a nice little- it had a nice little design on it. A doorknob and a knocker that looked like a snarling demon. Red paint was peeling from it, flaking off and falling to the ground in front of me. I clumsily rose and busted- and busted through the door. What? (laughs) Hold on a second.
1: I think they meant to say, busted through a door.
0: I assume it's that door?
1: I got no idea.
0: I am, uh, I clumsily rose and busted through the door. they were only missing a piece of hanging sheet metal in front of me. I was crawling now. There was no way that I could run. The walls and ceiling were lined with metal, the kind that you would see on the roof of a farm. Large pieces of wood seemed to brace the sheets, holding the makeshift tunnel together. I couldn't risk uh, sliding against that and possibly cutting myself on the metal or hitting the wood and causing a cave-in, so I crawled. Oh, this is interesting. So I'm thinking our protagonist now is on the other side of the door that Mr. Maze saw.
2: Yeah, it actually mentioned um, the piece of hanging sheet metal, which is a good touch. I like that. Because that's what caught uh, Mr. Maze's friend in the forehead. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And what's more, is they mentioned that horrific smell that no that is worse than any smell they ever smelled, and he's describing basically the same thing.
0: Right. But yeah. what I love is that he's approaching from the opposite like end, so
1: which explains why there's no um uh what do you call it no silo on the other side.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. I pulled my I pulled myself for what seemed like miles. Running into walls every now and then, and because of the path seemed to curve like a snake. I had no idea where I was in relation to the hole that I had fallen through fallen through, but I told myself that there was an exit at this end. I had not been crawling, had I not been crawling, I would have surely hurt myself far worse. There were parts of the tunnel in which the ceiling dipped down to maybe three foot feet above the ground. I hadn't it hadn't caved in, but the ceiling still lined it. Someone had built some uh, built it like this. This again, in hindsight uh, is in hindsight. I didn't care at the time. I kept telling myself that there was nothing behind me, but I swore that I heard feet scraping only a few inches behind my own.
2: My jeans would brush against my legs every now and then, making it feel like someone was touching me. And even now, I still can't completely convince myself that someone wasn't. I crawled and crawled until I reached an upslope. With joy, I looked ahead of me. There was a cellar door. Oh. Mm -hmm. So you're right, this is from the other end. Yep. The door was made of wood. I knew this because I could see light through them. I couldn't be sure, but I thought it might have been the light from the car's headlights. Besides all of that, I was just so immensely happy to find an exit.
0: I crawled all the way to the door and threw my shoulder into it. It budged, but didn't open. I began to scream, but I, but I my throat seared with pain. The most I could manage was a harsh crying noise. It sounded like a dying animal. I collapsed in exhaustion and pain my eyes staring up at the slits of light before me. I was so close to being out of here. I could taste it.
1: It's a bizarre way to phrase something, is I can I could only manage a harsh uh, crying noise It sounded like a dying animal. Yeah. Like, usually you don't describe what you sound like.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: This whole paragraph's kind of bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: it was in that moment of silent defeat, that I heard a noise that was, without a question, something moving in the tunnel. It sounded like something was being dragged across the floor. It would move, pause for a second, and then move again. I had nothing left in my stomach to throw up, but I began to gag. I gathered myself slightly and tried to steady my hand enough to focus on the flashlight, uh, focus the flashlight on the tunnel.
2: What I saw, I can still not rationalize. I know what I saw, but I cannot convince myself that it was actually there. I can't stop telling myself that I was hallucinating. I saw a child in a dirty sleeping gown. The gown was stained with something dark and brown, with occasional splashes of a deep red. The child was extremely frail, like the pictures that people might see of a Holocaust victim. I could only make out one eye, brightly reflecting the light of my flashlight, in between huge tufts of long, dirty hair. It reached down beyond the fingertips of the child, which were caked with dirt. The boy, or girl, I'm not entirely sure which, moved towards me with difficulty. It wasn't breathing hard, but it seemed that every movement of every muscle took every ounce of strength the child had. The thing that froze me, though, was the eye. It was only visible because it was reflecting my flashlight. But even in that glint, I could feel anger or deep hatred or something like that. This is the point in which the English language really lacks the right words to explain the situation. I could tell that this child meant me harm. Whether it was a hallucination or not, the thing was getting closer. I started to cry. It was getting closer and closer when I heard a voice from behind me. Hey, Jack, whispered the voice. It was Steve. I was certain.
0: I really like this. Mm -hmm. This paragraph. Because earlier when... Okay, so remember earlier in the first part when I said that I didn't think the the spooky kid thing worked. This has a much more effective build up and it actually works off of what we've heard about the spooky kids before. Cuz now we're getting a lot of detail about this kid and the details that we do get are not as they don't they don't have the a cliche quality to them. There's some trope elements sure, but I really like this. I don't I it's hard to pin down exactly what it is that works for me, but it just does. And I think part of the reason it, I, uh, this part benefits from the steady buildup of how our character is already wounded. Our character's already gone through this long, weird, surreal journey and now is confronted by this this child. And it's just the way everything is done is just really effective. I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It felt mm-hmm. like a buildup was yeah. something satisfying. You know what I mean? It's like not overblown. It's
1: It's good. Well, I I felt like it was. It had a proper build up in the beginning part too, because it built up to there were a bunch of people around us, and then cut back to modern times, talking about how sober and serious Mister Maze was.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And it's doing something similar here. That was good too, because it's
0: it's remirroring that. But anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I tried to talk back, fully intending to say, Open this up and get me out right now. However, given my current state, I am sure it just sounded like garbled nonsense. I clawed at the door, pushing against it with everything that I had, and finally breaking eye contact with the child. As I did this, the flashlight rolled down the slope, coming to rest somewhere near the child's feet.
1: What do you see? the voice asked.
2: What are you talking about? I closed my eyes. I remember hearing
0: a reply along the lines of, Just look at it. Tell me what you see. But my own screams of frustration drowned it out.
1: I was mumbling like a maniac when the voice told me, calmly, Just rest for a second. I'll get it. The statement uh, took a second to settle in, at which point I closed my eyes tight.
2: Steve, just do it, please. Please. Just get it open, please. I whimpered. Just get me out of here. My voice was beginning to get louder. Steve, goddammit, open the fucking wooden door. I opened my eyes for a split second to see nothing but black hair dangling in front of my face. A small glint of light hidden in the mess of tangles. I slammed my eyes shut and screamed with every ounce of energy I had. Open the fucking door. The door behind me gave way and I fell onto the dirt, taking in a breath of fresh air. My eyes were still closed but the first thing that i did was scramble to find the cellar door and close it once i had done that i took a deep breath and opened my eyes
0: i saw the barn in front of me illuminated by the headlights of the car my head was pulsing with pain i was covered in dirt and liquids that i didn't even care to know the origin of my knee was at the very least dislocated but despite all of that i was out of the tunnel i took a deep breath buried my head in my hands and said Steve, why didn't you just fucking open the door?
1: I waited for a response, but none came. Steve, seriously, I began. I was fucking clawing, screaming for my life, I said as I looked behind me. My stomach must have been on the verge of falling out of me at this point, because it uh, shifted again. uh, The only thing behind me was this large mass of bushes that I had seen while examining the perimeter or the building I was angry Steve this is not the fucking time come out of the bushes I was getting ready to stand up when I heard myself uh, when I heard a yell from the building
2: <clears throat> a flashlight bobbed up and down in the semi-darkness Steve was running into the open door of the structure yelling my name and telling me not to worry I must have lost consciousness at that point. When I woke up, Steve was standing over me, desperately trying to wake me up. His words were almost incoherent, at least to my ears.
0: He helped me to my feet and began to walk me to the car. As we walked away, I saw my flashlight sitting just outside the cellar door. The light was fading.
1: So I assume that it wasn't Steve that opened the door for him? No. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's bizarre, especially hmm. why would he why would him in the car be on the other side of the uh, silo thing? Well, like I'm assuming he's.
0: Well, the thing is, he didn't come out from the silo thing. He came out from a cellar door that was apparently hidden in the bushes near that barn. Hmm. Like, this hmm. is weird.
1: Yeah. Steve brought me back to the car and then we drove to the nearest hospital. I fell asleep, but he told me that he drove around for an hour before he found the main road. I don't think I ever told him the whole story. I believe he thinks I was just injured from the fall. He never really asked me about it, and we didn't stay in contact for much longer. It's not like we were uh deliberately parted uh it's not like we deliberately parted ways. We just sort of stopped hanging out after the trip and went our separate ways
2: hmm. I've never been able to fully understand what happened that night. There are many things that I can explain away as being hallucinations, but there are still many things that don't make sense. The shower heads were there and they were leaking something. The door was real. The tunnel was real. Most everything else can be semi-rationalized if I can convince myself that I had a very bad concussion. A very, very bad concussion. But the one thing that I couldn't have imagined was that cellar door was locked. And then it suddenly wasn't.
0: I am still as skeptical as I have ever been, but I believe in what happened to me at the showers. I'm not a hermit or a social retard because of this. I drink a lot, but I am still functional. But I will never return to Nebraska. No one will ever be able to convince me otherwise. I don't watch horror movies either. There's absolutely nothing entertaining about being so desperately scared. That's it, really. There's no typical ending for my story. I was changed by my experience, yeah. But there's no way to change anything about it or fight back against it. I can't even convince myself that I wasn't just seeing things. Believe me, I've been trying to I've been trying for years.
1: Hmm. How do we feel about that paragraph?
0: Hmm. I don't know. Like,
1: I like it and I don't like it at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's
0: I don't really have the, a problem with it, but
1: I think my problem with it is like this isn't no typical horror story, but that's what these things are supposed to be is yeah. not typical horror stories, so it's like i I don't know, I think the sentiment is right, but it's kind of phrased in a generic way,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. I can see I can see that
1: um prior to this, they're really. Uh, there was really no way to find any information about the showers. The legend didn't extend outside of uh, the classroom of Mr. Mays. No one told stories like this to keep children away from certain places or to scare them. It just wasn't known. I guess that that's really the point of this whole story. I want people to know firsthand what this place is like. Maybe it's just a drunk rational, uh, rationale. Maybe it's just a drunks rationale or the kid inside me wanting to spread these kinds of stories again. I don't know. I don't care. But it's out there now, for people to mold and warp to their needs. Most importantly, it's out finally out of my head.
2: It's getting late, and I'm getting another drink. Cheers.
0: Credited to Clover10176.
1: Oh, uh, this got Pasta of the Month. Does it deserve it?
2: I'd say yes, actually. I Yeah, I think so. Um, and I'm reading in the comments. I don't know if this is true. This is me going entirely on the comments on the Creepypasta wiki. Is that this was written by Dylan Sindelar, who is the creator of ML Anderson. Oh. Mm
1: well, this is a lot better than M.L. Anderson, for damn sure.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It does, you know, the nice thing is, as someone who really cares in stories about leaving a lot of unknown elements, I think this is tantalizing enough that it makes me want to go, but wait, but wait. But at the same time, it it doesn't feel like it's leaving things hanging unnecessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I think is so crucial to a lot of uh, horror stories is having, especially stories that are like this, where here's a weird thing that happened. And unfortunately, I'm you're I'm just as clueless as you guys are. I'm never going to really know exactly what happened in there that night, what I experienced. And I'm like, "Mm, that's good. That's good for me.
1: My favorite part is that Steve didn't die. So Alan's wrong.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah Good good Um, that you guys weren't taking
1: bets Yeah Uh, Yeah Normally grammar problems don't bother me that much But it's just kind of Perplexing to me that this one still has grammar Problems that no one's edited out the grammar problems Mm -hmm. Especially seeing as the story doesn't have Much of an excuse to have grammar problems Well
0: Yeah okay Hmm. hmm. You know, um... Now, had you had you read this one before, Brandon?
1: I read it so long ago that I forgot it.
0: Oh, okay. Did you... Now, was it just time and distance from the story that made you forget it? Or is it the fact that it's just... That you don't think it's a very memorable story?
1: I honestly don't think it's very memorable. I think the idea of Showerheads is memorable, but...
0: That's the most memorable element of the story,
1: that's for sure. Everything else I kind of forgot. I remember the scene where Mr. Mays is drunk, and I remember uh, liking that part and liking the shower part, and then the rest of it I was just kind of meh on.
2: There was a lot of filler in this. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's sort of the problem.
0: It's a little bit of a pastiche, I feel like, of different uh, sort of creepypasta elements. And like I said, wandering through those underground tunnels just makes me think of, again, the Baker, the Baker family farm and their basement they have under their place. Um, obviously, that came a lot later than this, so I'm not calling that or anything. But, you know, that's a classic trope. But. I mean, there are parts of this that I think when when it works, it really works. And uh, yeah, there are clunky bits, and yeah, it does drag a little bit. But overall, I actually do kind of like this story.
1: I do too, and I sound like I'm being negative on it. I just, I don't know that it's at um, Pasta of the Month. Or maybe it is, because there's been some pretty bad pastas of the Month. (laughs) Um,
0: Well. Considering what we do, and what we've been doing for so long, like, this is a... This is kind of a relief, every so often, to get a story that demonstrates,
2: uh... A, a Shit! Level. Uh...
0: Alan? Ah, uh, right. Alan? Yep. Are you okay?
2: I fell out of the chair.
0: Are you, you're not injured? I'm fine. Okay. Uh,
2: emotionally? Everybody, everything's fine. No, I'm cool. God
0: damn it. Oh, okay. Um, it, uh, well, you heard it here first, folks. Um, the story was so effective, Alan fell out of his chair.
1: Pooped me right out of my chair.
0: This chair is terrible. You should get in a different chair.
2: I should. Yes. I had a new chair. That one broke.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
1: uh, so, I, th- I think that my criticism of filler is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Is just, like, the story could get out it's story beats so much quicker. Yeah. Um, but uh, if it's like an up or a down rating, definitely an up rating.
0: Yeah, yeah. for sure. What I was starting to say earlier was that uh, I feel like when we find a story that demonstrates even a basic level of competence with uh, the craft of a story, it's a, like a huge relief. It's like an oasis in a sea of, well, rotten pasta.
1: Mm-hmm. And as I said... Uh, the story does things that I certainly can't do as a writer, so it has that,
0: mm-hmm. you know, like
1: it it has things where I can definitely learn from a story like this.
0: There are there are definite cues to be taken from uh, this particular story, so um, yeah, um, I think it yep. works for the most part. Uh, freshness rating, I will give it. I will let's see. uh Who wants to? I'll let you guys go first because I always go with the complicated restaurant
2: analogy. So I will rate this seven out of ten.
1: I will rate this out of all of the different kinds of bowel movements you can have, but slushy.
0: And uh, for me, I give this the rating of um, uh, pretty good. Like something you'd eat, and it tastes pretty good. There's a there's that moment where you get the weird aftertaste that kind of kicks in, but you you tolerate that part to enjoy the parts that are are delicious. And
2: it's also too big of a meal.
0: Yeah, there's a little. You have to take it's it good, in courses.
2: But there's kind of a lot.
0: You take it in courses. You you don't eat it all at once. You you eat part of it. You put the rest in a box to go.
1: Very carb heavy.
0: Little yeah. carb heavy. Um, but when you get to those those bites that are like really satisfying, you're like, mm, mm, okay, it was worth it for this part, you know.
1: I I give it a samurai shark out of quick chop.
0: <laughs> so uh, uh, do, do, do you so think Billy, did, do you think us us channeling Billy Mays is going to get his ghost to endorse our show?
1: That'd be, pretty that'd be rad.
0: Good. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of which, though, uh, do, we, do we have any plugs we want to make before I, I sort of uh, give the biggest one?
1: Uh, I just put up a video entitled Genuine Heart. It is a much more somber story than most of my stories. Um, probably quite a bit sadder, I hope. And I don't really want to give too much away about it, but it's, it follows the rule of threes, just know that.
2: Perfect. Uh, I would like to give an anti-plug to whoever made my chair.
0: (laughs) Uh, check under the chair and see who the manufacturer is. If you have like the tag or whatever.
2: I'm not going to do that. Well, don't do it right now. (laughs) Okay. Okay, fine. Uh,
0: and, uh, I have a plug for a change and that's because I've been, uh, we were, we've been discussing this and, uh, I've, with uh, Midnight Marinara on hiatus right now, while we set up for the next season in October, um, we're kind of testing this out, and yeah, I think the decision is out there. For the foreseeable future, you guys out there, because we love you so much, are getting double the undercooked analysis every week. Yes, this is going to be a regular thing. This isn't a one-off. Every Tuesday, you're going to get the usual fare and then every um every friday now until october when we shift back into doing midnight marinero on a regular basis you're going to get another undercooked analysis yes two a week we're going to go there we're going to do this because we love you our friday episodes specifically
2: are, are going, going to, to be 9 be- hours long <laughs>
0: Marathon pastas. There we go. <laughs> no, our Friday episodes are specifically going to be uh, patron's choice. We're going to put the, uh, put the choice of the stories in the hands of our intrepid patrons. They're going to be leaving us suggestions, and uh, we're going to go through them, and pretty much uh, through scrutiny and maybe through a process of voting. Like, I want our patron community to kind of vote on what they think we should be reading, so... Uh, for those particular segments. So if you're a Patreon supporter or you want to become a Patreon supporter and influence the direction of the show for our Friday episodes, you can uh, go to our Patreon page, the Midnight Marinera Patreon page, which is linked uh, below in the description. Uh, Then you can um, suggest a story and uh, we will get to them in due course. Uh, I think this is an opportunity to really get some... Uh, some good critique and some good energy going in the community. So, Tuesdays is going to be the usual fare, what you expect from the normal uh, undercooked analysis. And Fridays, you're going to get the Patron's Choice, which will pretty much always feature me, Dead Palette, and Alan.
1: Yeah. And we will have some more Patron's ex- exclusives.
0: Oh, yeah. No, oh, God, no. no. Sorry. <laughs> Please don't fall out of your chair again at the excitement almost, of that. I almost, I
2: almost did again.
0: <laughs> because, um, actually, patrons, uh, around the time this episode goes up, you should be checking Patreon for a, a, a exclusive, an exclusive just for you guys. Uh, we're going to be revisiting a certain story we've already covered, but in a live stream and hopefully giving it a more uh, serious look. I don't want Let, to say let's, too
1: much. Let's, let's rephrase that, because you made it sound opposite of what it's supposed to be. <laughs> what?
0: Uh, let's, okay. We are
1: going to tackle a story we tackled in a live stream, but now we're going to tackle it not live.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'm tired, you're, I don't know. You're, you're both right. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Arbiter Alan.
1: But his inflection made it sound like he was wrong.
2: Yes, the inflection was a little off, but I could tell what you were trying to say.
0: Thank you. I'm just... This is why it's a good idea to have your show notes in front of you before you start the show.
1: But then it wouldn't so, be a good analysis.
2: So, what is, what is a Sklusi in comparison to a Chafee and a clincher?
0: <laughs> Sk- I can't take credit for that. A Sklusi was coined by a certain stand-up comedian. Uh,
1: a Sklusi... Is a, like a is a lot like a chavy. Is a lot like a chavy, but only when you're about ready to uh, let loose uh, a butt slushy.
2: I accept uh, this.
0: So guess what, everybody? <laughs> this just means you're gonna get more of this kind of stuff. I hope you're happy. <laughs>
2: yes. Because con- I don't know or if content I content like this. <laughs> 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 this is some primo fucking content you guys
1: you know what we might do for a future exclusive is to get uh, all three of us to read a story that is uh, gross enough and will make David squeamish enough to throw up
0: let's don't say we did
1: let's say that we might that way people will donate to the patreon in hopes that it'll happen
2: yeah. Uh, I don't want people to donate because they hate me.
1: They don't hate you.
2: They just they want just you to have be weird, uncomfortable. And they just have weird bar fetishes.
0: Yeah, I'm closing Patreon forever. This
1: podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at benviewnetwork.com.